0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm host Luke Thompson. Drew Snyder joining us today from Manhattan. Drew, how are you doing?
1: Good. Enjoying the nice weather in Manhattan.
0: Yeah, it's a good day. Uh, K State reasserted its its dominance in the state of Kansas. Enjoyed, you know, the closest thing to a bye week in the Big 12 when you have to play. Texas enjoyed an actual bye week. And so, you know, it could be a, an interesting one coming up this Saturday. So we brought on. Ian Boyd, he writes for Inside Texas, the Football Outsiders. and Also, you can check out his stuff on his website, sportstreeties.com. He's also the author of the book, Flyover Football, How the Big 12 Became the Frontier for Modern Football. Ian, how you doing?
2: I'm doing good. You know, it makes me glad to see that Don doesn't exclusively torture Texas now. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's, he's picked it up a little bit the last couple of weeks, you know, they're just when people were starting to complain that K-State only had Malik Knowles, all of a sudden Dalton Schell was like, hey, don't, don't forget about me. It's been nice. Yeah, for, I wanted to start actually by uh, just asking you, uh, I don't know if you saw this. There was a comment from a reporter who referred to uh, Bill Snyder about, and it was, I can't even remember the context, but he said, he called Bill Snyder someone you, quote, probably don't view as a schematic visionary. Oh, I it seemed like I a really weird comment.
2: Yeah. It wasn't in the play where Urban Meyer was like diagnosing his favorite play in football and he was explaining, yeah. he was like, I got this yeah. from Bill Snyder. And people were like, and then the other reporter was, like, oh, well, you, you wouldn't think of Bill Snyder in that way. But yeah. Unless I'm mistaken, Urban Meyer got his whole idea for a quarterback run game from visiting with Snyder way back in like the 90s or early 2000s or something. Yeah. Yeah. Probably right.
0: And so, like, you know, to jump right into it, K-State Texas playing at 2.30 Saturday, same time as LSU-Bama. So, you know, it's not too many people be watching this one, probably. But uh, you know, given Texas's struggles and that win over KU, did, did Saturday's K-State result make you more apprehensive or, or is it kind of what you were expecting? Or?
2: More apprehensive, I would say. Because, you know, they, they looked good against Oklahoma and it's always a matter of, you know, can you show that week to week or not? Mm-hmm. And it really seems like K-State's just, you know, finding a groove. So any Big 12 yeah. team that is playing confidently is a threat to the Texas team that we've seen the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you wrote extensively about, you know, Kansas State's success with four defensive linemen okay. and the Tampa 2 approach against Oklahoma. You know, do you think that's something that they can use effectively against Texas as well?
2: I don't know. They seem to dust that off mostly for Oklahoma. They haven't done it as much in the other games. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to want to play Texas quite that way just because they seem to game plan pretty carefully for each team. And I don't know yeah. if that's going to be their best way to beat up on Texas, but uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, We'll see what they, what they make of the Longhorns. Yeah.
0: What do you think, Drew, if you're game planning for Texas, what kind of defensive approach do you, you think K-State's going to want to bring in that game?
2: Uh, I think they're going to try to
1: keep everything in front. I wouldn't be surprised to see some Tampa 2 with some soft zone just to try to make Texas. They're so explosive on the outside, and it really just depends on uh, who Kansas State has at corner. I know there's a couple big injuries in the Kansas game.
0: Sounds like A.J. Parker is probably not going to be able to go.
1: Yeah, without A.J. Parker, I think you'll see him play some more off coverage, try to keep DuVernay in front, and make Texas earn it going down the field. Mm-hmm. Similar to what they did with Oklahoma, more of a sort of bend, bend, and then try to make a stand in the red zone.
2: If they don't have A.J. Parker, that makes sense that they'd want to play more Tampa, too. I, I didn't realize that he got hurt at the end of that one.
0: Yeah, could be a costly injury. He was walking around in crutches, right, with a sprained ankle. Mm. So I think the word is he could be out for a few weeks, and so it would be pretty shocking if he was back next Saturday. And then, I mean, another... Big question has been the tackling. It it looked a lot better yesterday. I think K State did a good job of of gain tackling, you know, but, you know, they made some good open field tackles as well, stopped Puka Williams pretty well. You know, Drew, how much of that is is K State really improving its tackling, and and how much is just the Jayhawks are easier to tackle than Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb?
1: I mean, that's a big part of it. Trying to tackle two of the best players in college football is obviously not an easy task, especially. Hertz broke so many tackles. He's just like a fullback playing quarterback. His lower is just so thick. I remember watching them play Clemson a couple of years ago uh, with uh, Jalen Hurts, and he was breaking tackles then. I mean, he's a, he's a stout guy, but tackling's been an issue all year, and it's sort of weird to, you know, it kind of it kind of come and go. I don't think it's an effort issue. It's just mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you <laughs> you hit somebody and they don't go down.
2: Yeah, like Max, like Max Duggan. (laughs) Yeah, let's not talk about that
0: play. (laughs) But I mean, on that subject though, yeah, how elusive can can Sam Ellinger be? Obviously, he's not the load to bring down that Jalen Hurts is, but he's a decent runner in his own right.
2: Yeah, I would say maybe Hurts is like a power running back, and then Ellinger is like a more like a traditional fullback. He's really good at. I think he ran for like over a hundred yards at Kansas state as a freshman. Right. And he ran over Goolsby near the goal line. Yeah. He's really good at like a um, little stutter step. He'll like start to build momentum going downhill and then guys will run up to him really hard because they know they have to come hard to get him down to the ground. And then he'll like slow up, let him run by and then he'll get going again and then drag somebody for like uh, three more yards He's not always super explosive. He's had a couple of nice run this, runs on scrambles this year, but he's really, really good at consistently picking up five yards or so and falling forward. So he's a, he's definitely a threat, but he's not going to like – I don't think he's going to break open in the open field like uh, Duggan did, and he's not going to – I'm sure they really don't want him to have to run for 100 yards like Hertz did. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And Ellinger is one of those guys. I think, especially for K-State fans, you look at him and he's a junior, and it's like, how how is he still just a junior? Because it seems like he's been around forever. But he's been pretty good against K-State. And then you know, Keontae Ingram as well. Ingram, it seems like you know he's had some big games, but other times he's been pretty quiet, and the and the offense has still done okay without big production from him. You know, how important is he going to be for the game plan for Texas?
2: They have a really good offensive line this year. The left tackle is really good. Centers, you, you guys probably remember the center, Zach Shackelford, because he flipped mm-hmm. from K-State to Texas late, and he's a, been a four-year starter. And then they got that Georgia Tech grad transfer that was a two-time acc guard at Georgia Tech. Parker yeah. Braun, he's the Texas left guard. So they've been pretty good run blocking this year. And Ingram had like a slow start to the year. He was like hurt and he had like a knee brace that was obviously slowing him up. And then there's been a couple of games where Rashawn Johnson has been the hot hand. So Rashawn Johnson has ended up getting more of the the work. They're both pretty good. Keontae Ingram can be, I'd say they're both, they both can be really great at times, but usually it's more a matter of the offensive line is good and tends to open up holes for them when they are able to stick with the run game, especially, you know. In the second and fourth quarter, when teams have been chasing each other around for a little bit, then they tend to, they tend to be able to start to wear people out if the game circumstances allow them to, to stick with it.
0: Andrew, I mean, K State's Russian defense was just dramatically better this past week. And they were, you know, decent against Oklahoma at times. Do you see anything schematically they're doing differently, or is it just better execution?
1: Just some better execution. We've been playing fairly consistent the whole year. Tackling's been a big issue, obviously, you know, against KU. KU likes to try to run a lot of the RPOs and they were, I think, doing a good job of taking that away from them. Really playing, a lot of times playing the run and making them throw that, throw it out and then, you know, just eating the quarterback's lunch all game. And so, you know, the defensive line is looking solid. Huber's obviously going nuts right now. And so I don't think you're not going to see a whole lot of uh, schematic changes. I think you'll see the four down linemen trying to uh, contain it up the middle. And just, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can handle if Texas sort of tries to break out a power run game, which uh, with the quarterback, if uh, they can uh, sort of contain that, that's been a bit of an issue.
2: Coming off the bye week, they may get more Ellinger quarterback run game than they've shown in the last couple weeks because he'd been a little bit dinged up all year and now he's had that bye week. So, plus, (laughs) I think Texas, they've been kind of in a tailspin as a program with all this like behind the scenes drama and angry freshmen that want more playing time and defensive, you know, miscues. I don't know where the, all those things stand in the locker room, but I think they're going to want to make a statement game if they can. And they're going to try to approach this game like a statement game if they can, because they need it for building momentum for down the stretch and then going, they have to go into Ames, Iowa, and then right. they have to go to Waco and back to back weeks. Yeah. So with those looming, they may want to save Ellinger, but they may just want to, try to get the foot down in this game and make a statement early on. So that, that might be something to watch for is more Ellinger option runs than they've shown in, in the previous weeks.
0: Yeah, that would be, it'd be like a kind of a reversal. We saw a Texas power QB run game against Kansas state, right? <laughs> reversal of history. We've really seen in the past, but you know, and then the, of course, the K-State secondary obviously going to be tested. And they've been solid this year. I think the pass defense has been the strength for most of the season. But Texas obviously has a lot of weapons. You know, Sam put a ton of yards against ECU, but he also threw four interceptions. How concerning was that? You know, how much do so you look at that as, as an issue?
2: Not super concerning as far as Ellinger goes. Because, I mean, he, he had like a nine games in a row or something without an interception last year. He doesn't really throw that many t c u really uh locked down on Texas's tendencies and their best players they're kind of shading coverage to Duvernay and to colin Johnson and Texas actually kind of made that a little easy for them by stacking them both in the boundary and Texas just yeah they just couldn't get anything going on first down and then they kept facing all these like seven nine third, and ten against yeah. uh the frog just playing you know with like lightning fast linebackers and just dropping into cover two and squeezing all their favorite stuff. So TCU really kind of took them apart. I don't think we're going to see that bad of a game plan or performance again in the passing game from Texas. If we do, then it's probably just time to throw in the towel on this season.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, Drew, I mean, looking at how you defend DuVernay, you know, in the past, we've seen K-State put a lot of faith in A.J. Parker. He hasn't necessarily been an elite shutdown corner, but he's done a decent job against some really tough number one receivers. You know, do you think without him, you see K-State try to give some more help to whatever cornerback you put on DuVernay?
1: Yeah, I think you'll probably see some some help with the safeties, especially over the top when Duvernay turns it on. I don't know if there's anybody on on K State secondary that can keep up, so I think you'll see a lot of sh- safeties uh, shading over towards Duvernay and making uh, the other receivers who are also very good try to beat them. But for Duvernay, another just is getting him on the ground is going to be a huge thing limiting yards after catch is going to be a key in this game especially without Parker they're going to catch a lot of passes it's going to be all about once they catch it what are they going to do or are they going to be throwing five yard passes or you know gets down are you going to throw a five yard pass and going to give up 40 yards on a run after the catch so I don't think there's a really easy solution without Parker on the roster so I think you're going to see sort of a uh, Pass coverage by committee uh, with a lot of help uh, over towards DuVernay and just uh, trying to swarm to the ball and getting guys on the ground.
0: And, yeah, I mean, how much do you think Texas will try to stretch the field vertically in line? Are they going to be content to, to throw the short passes if that's what K-State gives them?
2: Well, from what y'all are saying, that, that would make a lot of sense that they might just play uh, something like the Oklahoma game plan and just play a lot of Tampa, two and try to make Texas, you know, dink and dunk or run. It might be just a matter of, of whether or not Kansas State can uh, play the Texas run game as well as they did against Oklahoma. It's a little bit different. Like, uh, Oklahoma was running a lot of option. Uh, Kansas State had a really good plan for that. Kind of took advantage of uh, – didn't seem like Jalen Hurts really understood what Kansas State was doing, and they weren't able to really get the ball to the right spots very consistently. Texas is usually a little more direct. they don't read the end as much if ellinger is a is a dual threat and he and he runs option every now and then, but the majority of Texas run game they really don't do the quarterback option that much. They use a tight end, and the starting tight end is out for the year by the way. They use a tight end and then they just try to block you and pull you over. It's a pretty um direct simple run game so uh if Kansas State's kind of dropping everybody back. It'll be interesting to see just how that goes between the K State D line and then Texas offensive line and younger tight ends. That like, might be the kind of where the game where the game is decided. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know a lot of interesting matchups in that Texas offense versus K State defense. On, on the other side of the ball, that's where I, I would say K State probably has their biggest advantage going up against that Texas defense. First of, I mean maybe just the. Just to be blunt, you know, what's wrong with this Texas defense this year? Yeah,
2: there's a lot of things. They never really installed a base defense. We even heard a couple of reports in fall camp that was like, hey, the defense is like, they're running a different defense every week with different guys out there in different spots. And then um, the last couple of weeks, by necessity, they've been more of a, they've been playing more like the Iowa State defense. They converted camp two with eight guys dropping back. And they've kind of had to because they have, I don't even know if I can list them all, but they have had like uh, six defensive backs who were starters at one point in the year have been hurt. It's and uh, I think they'll get back. I don't know. One or two of them for this game, maybe Caden Stearns, although maybe not might get another guy back or, or so, but they've, they've been simplifying a little bit, but then their other big problem this year is that uh, because they don't really have a, sort of base defense that they felt like they can hang their hats on the defensive coordinator Todd Orlando keeps dialing up these like terribly designed and terribly executed blitzes in all the wrong moments so like in the TCU game Texas actually mostly shut down the TCU offense which is you know not that hard but they were doing a good job but they had like four or five blitzes that they called that basically cost them the entire game. They had one where Ellinger threw an interception. The a very next snap. Texas brought a big blitz and left Rager wide open running down the field. And then down the stretch, they were, TCU was up 30. Texas brought big blitzes on third and 11 and then a zero blitz on third and 14 and got burned over the top with Dugan finding open receivers on backup defensive backs. They really want to blitz and they just can't help themselves. They just get themselves in all kinds of trouble. It's been a total mess.
0: Yeah, yeah. Was there, I mean, how much warning did you feel like there was, like, coming into the season? I'm sure nobody expected them to be this bad, but how much of a concern was the defense coming in?
2: I mean, we had, I guess nationally, people thought they'd be worse because they were losing eight starters. But uh, back closer to Texas, we thought they might be because they have so much talent on the roster and so many young, uh, they had, like, uh, multiple young five stars, you know, stepping into roles. But um, when we heard that they were struggling to settle on an identity in fall camp, that was kind of like a little bit of a red flag. And then when they, um, the way they played against LSU, where they played in dime, but they still let guys run wide open and Joe Burrow threw for nearly 500 yards, that was kind of when it was like, oh, okay, they're really a mess this year. They don't, they have not figured this out. They're going to have to figure it out during the season. And so that was kind of the big those were the two big red flags that came up. And then they started losing guys to injury and having bad tackling technique that led to injuries that put more guys on the field and more bad tackling. And it's kind of snowballed from there.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, looking at this game, first from the KU game, I was a little surprised. Um, you know, Skylar Thompson always had a huge day rushing the ball, and let's, let's give him some credit. He showed some nice elusiveness, had a defender's miss, but it amazed me that KU didn't seem to, to pay attention to him. You know, he had 17 carries, which sounds almost like too much, but a lot of those were just scrambles or running on the RPOs. And, you know, he got out of bounds a few times. But, like, you know, by the time he ran for that four-year, for it was kind of like, why, why is KU not putting a spy on him, not paying more attention? You know, do you think Texas is going to have to like do something to pay more attention to him running the ball this game?
2: They've been pretty bad about that all year. Just time after time, they'll uh, misplay the zone read at the perfectly wrong time and uh, give up a big gain. Presumably it's been a focus of the bye week, but uh, I don't know. And they're also, they've been really bad at contain too. So, Again, another thing that presumably they've been focusing really hard on, especially with Skylar Thompson and then Brock Purdy and Charlie Brewer coming down the pipe, but they haven't been good at it yet. So <laughs> they may be uh maybe able to hit the well one more time for some of that stuff before they finally figure it out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. and it'll be interesting to see uh what running backs Kansas State has available. I think that's gonna really <laughs> sort of dictate the run game game plan is Jordan Brown going to be back and healthy. He only had two carries against KU and then uh, had to come out because that foot still bothering him. James Gilbert was out against KU. So that left Harry Trotter to carry the load there. You know, Trotter's a good back. He, he runs hard, but he doesn't quite bring the same skill set to the table as Jordan Brown with his uh, mm-hmm. explosiveness and his ability to make people miss in the open field. And James Gilbert's sort of smooth running style where he let's say Gilbert gets the yards that are there every time. If if there's yards to find, Gilbert's gonna find them. Now he might not break it, you know, for 40, but he's always gonna find if it's blocked up well enough, he's going to find the five yards through the line. It'll be interesting to see also Kansas State's been run a lot of sort of paired running plays where they will attack the outside and then this, the next, the same exact look, they're running a counter and they will try to bust it through the middle. I don't know. They're really forcing defenses to be, you know, good with their eyes because they'll show a lot of different counter looks as well off the same sort of sets. So that's what I'll expect a lot out of the run game against Texas is really challenge the eyes of the Texas defense to see if they can get them flowing one way and then hit them back on the counter. Yeah,
2: Texas yes. has a, maybe a couple ways they might deal with that. One, one thing that they've done recently is play senior safety Brandon Jones as like the middle safety in the Tampa 2, and he's really good at running things down and tackling. That would be the, probably the better way to deal with some of that stuff. Another thing that they love to do is to just blitz it. And I don't know how that will go against Kansas State. That could be a really interesting matchup in this game because uh, Texas is actually, like when they played um, Iowa State, when they played Iowa State last year or when when they played Georgia, they would blitz the run game a ton, and they caused all kinds of problems for those schools. That's largely why they beat Georgia up so bad. So that'll be interesting to see just kind of how – Kansas State scheme handles that, and if they can exploit it and burn Texas, which wouldn't surprise me, or if Texas's kind of aggressiveness and athleticism ends up kind of mucking up the works for them, which also honestly wouldn't surprise me either. Like that one's going to be—I really don't know how that's going to go. I they could be really instrumental.
1: And those are the defenses that really sort of give Kansas State trouble, or the ones that get up on the line and get guys into the backfield and blow up some of those slow moving plays. Messingham's done a better job here the last couple games of Speeding up the run game a little bit where it's not every handoff doesn't take two guards coming around and, and trying to open up a hole. He's also doing a lot of good misdirection where you can see that the defense, especially against Oklahoma, were keying on the fullback and that run a lot of counters off that where they're sitting in the fullback to block down on the right side and then running a the little counter off, off left tackle and blocking down with a tight end, sort of blow out the end uh, on the other side. So that's what I'll uh, be, again, expecting kansas state to try to do and i do i expect texas to try to blitz that and get get guys into the backfield and around the ball because that's really where you want to stop that kansas state run game obviously every run game you want to get it before you know in the backfield especially against kansas state with the sort of the slower developing plays if you can get guys across the line of scrimmage it really causes some trouble for the wildcats
2: That'll be interesting, also, because Oklahoma has a lot of like lighter, fast guys up front. So like they've been killing teams with um, like Jalen Redmond and Ronnie Perkins, who are like two sixty or something like that, or Kenneth Murray blitzing. But Texas has more like your traditional. They'll play with like three like defensive tackles at a time, where they have a three hundred thirty pound nose tackle Coburn, who's absurdly quick for being so big, and uh, Malcolm Roach, who's like two ninety. Take one Graham, who's three hundred. They like to blitz and and move around and, and get penetration, but a lot of times they get it just by having three legitimate tackles up there. So it'll be interesting just to see like what difference that makes. Like I think with Oklahoma, if you can just figure out where they're going to be and even get hats on them, you have a chance because they're not huge guys, but they're so fast and they move around so much, they would cause problems for everybody else. I mean, Texas is less of that and more of just uh, They're just hard to block with the three guys up front.
1: Yeah, because Kansas State really just burned Oklahoma a, a lot on getting them to over-pursue. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see them chase the ball and then, again, come back on the counter where you'll see the line. You saw a lot of Oklahoma was slanting their line to what they thought was going to be the play side. And then just getting crushed on the backside runs, even, you know, bringing a linebacker off the edge on the play side and then the ball going backside it was a really great game plan. I'm not sure that'll be as effective against Texas because, like you said, the Texas players, especially those big defensive linemen, don't tend to go anywhere. They're yeah. not, they're going to be there at the line of scrimmage. It's not You're not going to be able to get run them out of position as much as Kansas state was able to just use Oklahoma's aggressiveness against them and run them out of position and then break it on the, on the backside of the play.
2: Uh, some of the perimeter stuff though, that killed Oklahoma, like some of the, especially like the diamond formation power raid where there'd be like two lead blockers on the perimeter for the sweep. That could be trouble for Texas because they, they, those three defensive linemen tend to stay, you know, inside. And Texas has had problems this year. Setting the edge and uh, dealing with outside runs, they gave Oklahoma all kinds of free yardage in the Red River shootout by struggling to even get guys to the ball on the edge. So um, I'm sure that Kansas State noticed that, and they'll try to. I would imagine. I know they want to be a gap power more often than not, but I wonder against Texas if they will, uh, if the game plan will be to hit the perimeter in a dozen different ways.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what I expect, to really work outside the tackles or either in the uh, B-gap or outside the tackles. I don't see them making a whole lot of ground straight up the middle into the teeth of that Texas defense. But you'll see it some, as like they said, they like to pair that with the counters and stuff, so they'll run power, you know, A-gap power, and then the next time they'll look the same, except they'll bounce it off, you know, backside and try to get everybody flowing up into the A-gap and then bounce it wide. And so I'll expect a good bit of that for Messingham will show, like I said, similar plays that attack different gaps. And that's what's been really effective the last two games. I felt like earlier in the season, we were they were really focusing on, well, we're just going to run a gap, power, we're going to run power, power. And they're, you know, two, three yards a pop. And the last couple of games, they've really uh, sort of diversified the run game. And it's uh, been a much more effective attacking that perimeter And then once you get guys starting to flow out of the perimeter, then try to bust one between the tackles. The passing game is also sort of something I wanted to touch on quickly because that's Mm -hmm. really another thing that's opened up the Kansas State offense. And it hasn't been explosive by any means, but it's been efficient enough Mm -hmm. to pick up third downs when they need it. Uh, Skyler's done a good job of uh, really sort of dialing in on some – some timing routes and hitting the five yard outs and the six, seven yard outs to pick up hard third downs that they really weren't picking up earlier in the season. Yeah. So I was sort of interested to see what Texas does in the secondary. If they're going to sort of play off since they just get burned by everybody, or if they're going to get up and challenge the teams that have been best against Kansas State or the teams that can get up and play man, challenge at the get off, basically, at the snap. Kansas State's receivers aren't great at getting off press man. And then when you play press man against Kansas State, that lets you drop another safety into the box. And that's where Baylor, especially, Baylor's safeties never moved the entire game. I mean, they stood you know, 10, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, and at every snap, they were taking two, three steps up, and they were just letting their corners, basically daring Kansas State to throw. I was surprised you didn't see more of that against Oklahoma do more of that. I was a little surprised you didn't see Kansas, especially when this just started getting gutted by the K-State run game, do more of that as well, and just daring Kansas State to throw the ball deep down the sideline. And That's how I would, honestly, that's how I would defend Kansas State. That's where on film, that's been the most effective way to stop them is to jam them at the line, throw off some timing routes, and then commit more resources to, to the run.
2: I think Oklahoma got caught where they... um I think normally Oklahoma does kind of like to try to do that, but I think they were getting caught where uh, Kansas State was breaking contain so much on the edge that Oklahoma just started playing more like a traditional type cover two quarters, you know? Yeah. And and just trying to stay safe. And then they started giving up the stuff where um, they obviously don't do it very often and they didn't look very good at it. They kept giving up that space in between the corner and the safety. On those out routes from the slots, they were all out of sorts. You broke their uh, cheat code, and then they, <laughs> they kind of unraveled. Texas played a lot of inverted Tampa two, so they would have guys sitting underneath on Kansas State guys. It's possible they would play man this week. I mean, they've played something different almost every week. That's been part of the problem they've had is they ran one defense against LSU and something else against Oklahoma State, and then something different still against Oklahoma. So. It's hard to know exactly what they're going to, especially now that they've had a bye week to come up with more shenanigans. I don't know exactly (laughs) what they're going to come up with in this one, but they might be like a 3-4, honestly, because they have a couple outside linebackers, and that's kind of their base, even though they never really use it. Hmm. They usually play like a nickel version. They might do that and just kind of leave the corners on islands and use the safeties pretty aggressively, and then uh, just kind of try to smother Kansas State that way and trust their guys to hold up. Outside, I bet that Kansas State breaks a couple of plays just where Texas screwed something up. But <laughs> maybe if Texas just realized I'm trying to out-athlete them and attacking them up front, they may decide to do to do it that way and just say, "Hey, we should be able to do this. We're just going to do it this way." Yeah,
1: that's. I think that's probably Texas's best bet, and Kansas State may break some things down the field. Malik Knowles, you know, he's still far from a hundred percent. And he's the real game breaker. He's the guy that can go get it. But Dalton Schoen's you know, sneaky. He's a real. He'll find a nice soft spot, especially if you play zone. He's really good at finding the soft spot in the zones. But if you man up against him and just straight up say I'm a better athlete than you, that's where he struggles. So I'll be interested to see how Texas goes about that. As I said. Kansas State's been pretty good, and skyler has been pretty good at taking apart zone defenses. But just making him make the tight, contested throws in man. I know like Baylor played a lot of, like I said, either cover two, where but the safeties didn't really drop. They just sort of hung out right in the middle. Yeah. Or yeah. even cover one, where they just go man across the board, put a deep safety back shade towards either Sean or Knowles, whoever's in the game. And try to get pressure and make Schuyler get rid of it quickly. That's also been pretty effective against Kansas State. So I think challenging them physically, just Texas lining up and saying we're better athletes than you guys across the board is their best bet to you know slow the Wildcats down. And also giving up big plays against Kansas State isn't really the issue. It's Kansas State putting together 15 play drives and sitting on the ball and then you know, Texas yeah. and then getting a three and out and then getting the ball and then sitting on it again for the ret- and just squishing <laughs> teams. And that's what I kind of expected at the beginning of the year. And they've really, really sort of all come together the last two games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just to jump in, guys, if we can take a quick break for our sponsors and we're back now. One other thing I wanted to say, the past game, I think they've done a much better job just getting everybody involved. I, mean, I think it was seven different guys caught passes this past week and the week before it was nine. You know, that seems like a winning strategy when you don't necessarily have a big game breaker, especially with Malik, like you said, not at 100%. You know.
2: a I definitely a quarterback. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they've gotten a, a lot of interesting players involved. You've seen Josh Youngblood really take that next step where – but he doesn't have a huge package where he, he's going to be playing a lot of different plays. But when they get him on the field, they tend to get him the ball. Sammy Wheeler, who was a quarterback in the spring, is now really giving them a pass-catching option at tight end that they didn't really have with Lenners and, and Gammon. Those guys can sort of sneak down the seam. But Wheeler's more of an athletic sort of guy who can go out and actually run some routes. Yeah, and you're gonna have They'll a post put, on him this week, right? Yep, yep. They're gonna put him, probably put him on the same side as shown. where they were really effective against Oklahoma. Is they were running actually Gill in the slot, and then Knowles at the field, and then on the other side with Schoen actually playing the boundary wide receiver, but then sort of flexing out Wheeler, and so you're getting Knowles and Gill running combination routes like a go, and then out, you know, out route underneath it, and then. Kind of the same thing on the other side, where you see Sean run the go, and then Wheeler runs sort of an out or a stop underneath that, clearing out space for the underneath routes. And they do like to try to drag young blood across the formation and try to get him the ball that way, especially if you're getting that middle linebacker sort of dropping in the Tampa two. I'm not sure how Oklahoma will play that, but it looked a lot better outside the the hash marks, and that was a really. Where Kansas State was struggling earlier in the years, throwing the ball outside the hashes, and with Knowles back on the field in some capacity, and even got instead a guy like Wheeler stepping up and, and giving them more options out there, it's looked a lot better.
0: And you know, one interesting thing to me about just looking at stats for the Texas pass defenses—you know—they're. Ranked at less in yards and pretty low in efficiency, but they do, I think, lead the Big 12 in interceptions. Is that a sign of just having some good athletes that are maybe playing a little too aggressive at times? or Do they really do make that? Interceptions? Yeah, I, that think, I think so. I think I saw oh. that.
2: So, they um, got
0: 11 picks.
2: Well, they definitely have athletes. A lot of the bad pass defense is uh, sometimes they're slopping zone and then they've had just a lot of their uh they've had a lot of times where they they try to blitz because that's what their defensive coordinator wants to do and their corners get beat down the field so Mm -hmm. honestly sometimes when they just sit when they just try to sit in zone when they just try to play inverted tampa two the whole game and just sit on stuff they end up looking a lot better because they uh they have safety help on the corners and everyone just can just kind of play fast and be athletes and then it's when they they blitz usually that they really get into trouble and the corners will like peek into the backfield or, or lose their guy and get beat because they have young corners that, honestly, I don't know. Texas's corners the last couple of years have been kind of iffy on technique. So they've been vulnerable. And then they tend to blitz so much and in predictable circumstances that you'll see teams uh, know when they can take their shots on them down the field. And so they've got burned a lot on that. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I, I think Kansas State's best bet is to is to kind of try to hunt Texas' linebackers in zone, which especially maybe having shown in the slot and letting him find some soft spots against the linebackers. If Knowles can beat whoever's lined up across from him, that'll be a big win. But if he can't, then I would think it'd be more about Thompson finding the slots against blitzes or, or just sitting behind linebackers because that's been an issue for Texas all year.
1: And what kind of uh, size does Texas have on the out- outside? I don't I have a hard time keeping up with who's playing cornerback for Texas because it's, you know, who's who's alive and in, in <laughs> yeah. uniform. Yeah. Um, that's really Malik's best attribute is he, he really is good at getting up and high pointing the ball and running uh, some of those back shoulder throws. Or even just a straight go where he's just uh, making a play. What's that look like on the outside these days?
2: Well, if he's if he's playing well, I don't know if they have anyone that can match him, but they have Jalen Green back. And Jalen Green is kind of your um, gold standard athlete for corner. He's like six feet, 190 with some reach to him. He's their best athlete. He's their best overall corner. They got him back last week, some. And then he should probably be, Pretty good to go for this one. And then opposite him, they, they'll play one of a couple 5'10", five, 5'11", five, guys that are super athletic but not as big. And uh, Deshaun Jameson and uh, Anthony Cook. And then that's pretty much it there. And then uh, and the other big question is whether or not they have uh, Caden Stearns waiting over the top or not.
1: Yeah, I remember. I, I remember uh, when I was living in uh, College Station when that Caden Stern committed to Texas. I know that I'm listening to the local radio shows uh, in College Station, they really wanted Caden Stearns. And it, he's definitely shown, you know, why he was so sought after. And his absence, I think, especially has really hurt the Texas defense more than you know, anything else.
2: Yeah, he could make some of their blitzes work just by how much he could cover on the back end. But he's been beat up all year. He'd been beat up over the summer, beat up during the season, then got hurt worse against Oklahoma State while playing hurt. And uh, they really want him back. I'm pretty sure he's still a little bit beat up, or maybe a lot beat up. So the kind of the behind-the-scenes thing is that he wants to – uh he kind of just wants to shut himself down and get all the way healthy, and they want him to intercept passes and save their defense. So <laughs> – We'll figure out who won that tug of war come game time, I guess. <laughs> is
1: his problem is he's not? I know he's not a huge guy. Is he's just flying around and taking hits he can't absorb on a regular basis, or just picking uh, up little like dings, like knees and ankles, and
2: yeah. Whatever. I think well, he, he played a lot as a freshman, which is always hard on everybody because it's so much more punishing than high school. And I think he just got a couple dings here and there in his freshman year and then uh, was struggling to totally heal and then would just kept picking up more in fall camp or spring drills and then during the season. So I think that's why he kind of just wants to shut down so he can get all the way back, if that answers your question.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense because, like I said, he's been the guy that I've, I was – I, you know, I look at the Texas some, just, sometimes just the highlights of the box score and go – how is the defense with Caden Stearns in the back end, you know? And that's you know, he's obviously he's been hurt and not even playing anywhere close to where he's supposed to be, but there's still sometimes still kind of shocking how just how bad Texas has been. Well, uh, he's, been out with all...
2: he's been out since Oklahoma State, is part
1: yeah. of it. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Where well, i look, oh, they you know gave up 48 to Kansas, how and then you look, oh, yeah. Stearns didn't play, but still. I don't, it's always Texas football confuses me sometimes when you look at who they recruit and then you go, what, what's going on? I mean, the same thing with Oklahoma. You look at like these guys are, you know, four and five star guys out there just hemorrhaging points.
2: Sometimes that makes it all that much harder to get them to buy into a, you know, 11 man team sport when they're getting, you know, they have like agents knocking on their door as sophomores in high school, you know, telling them how great they are and, and all that, and the national rankings, it's tough. Um, Kansas State probably never have to worry about it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of pitfalls that come from that kind of deal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I was uh, teaching at, at Brenham High School. That was back when Mac was there, and they were recruiting Malcolm. Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown, and there was a couple other guys on that Brenham team that were Cole. Tim Cole. Yeah, who never actually played. Yeah. I think they took Tim, so Malcolm would yeah. come along with it. With, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just remember watching Malcolm. And was, like every day he was dealing with some some new another team, another you know interviews. So I could definitely see. I mean, he was such a good kid that I don't have anything but good things to say about Malcolm, both on the field and personally, but I could definitely see how that sort of living under that, in that fishbowl of Texas football is a little challenging.
2: And that's like the entire roster, you know?
1: Right. (laughs) So it's tough. Like I said, Malcolm handled it really well. He was a great, uh, just a great kid, but I could see how kids without his sort of demeanor or support system that he had could really sort of struggle with that.
2: Yeah. He panned out at Texas too. He was phenomenal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we're going
0: kind of long here. I, I I have one more kind of stupid question I wanted to ask. And that's so there's kind of a weird anomaly. I was realizing opposing kickers against Kansas State are 12 for 12 this year, and four of those are 50 yarders. It, it's kind of crazy. So, what are the chances Texas becomes the first team to miss a field goal against Kansas State?
2: Well, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. How, How is good is Texas, Texas kicker? I don't he's know. an excellent kicker. Yeah, I thought so. He hit something crazy like a 55-yarder or something earlier. This year. Something nuts. Yeah. yeah, He also missed a 26-yarder against TCU, so he's not a robot yet. Mm-hmm. He's on the <laughs> But But um, he's really good. I, it, it's felt like Texas has had really bad luck there, too. They've had a, a lot of guys make a lot of long kicks against them this year. Uh, Maybe the Big Twelve just does a lot of good kickers this year. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, Blake Lynch has been good. The downside is his range is maybe a little limited, but he's been, you know, he's very consistent within about forty-five yards. I think so. It's nice to have. I guess the the other question I I should probably have to ask before we get to the prediction is, you know, just how hot is Tom Herman's seat right now? And you know, especially with that tough three-game stretch coming up, what's the attitude in the program? towards him right now
2: well he's they're not going to fire him after this Mm -hmm. season i think even if they lost the rest of the games they still wouldn't fire him but um there's going to be huge pressure on him to overhaul his staff this offseason and uh that will probably happen even if they win out and win the big 12 i think they're still gonna shuffle the staff a little bit they have this insane imbalance where they have uh they have seven offensive assistants and four defensive assistants, and Tom Herman still calls the plays. (laughs) So it's like, this is obviously not working. And then they've had all these special teams miscues and other things where it's like, hey, Tom, obviously you need people that you can delegate to, and apparently you don't have them. So some of these old Houston pals or other dudes of yours are going to have to go, and you're going to have to make some changes. And we know the fact that the athletic director is going to be really leaning on him to make changes. Also, probably the defensive coordinator, I don't don't think will survive, at least not with his current title. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's always been my question with Tom, uh, with Herman as well. He's a great recruiter, good play caller, but is he a good enough CEO to really put together a staff and together uh, coherent game plans from week to week and I really feel like that's where he's sort of lacking and it's kind of where Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma has done a pretty good job on the offensive side of the ball at least (laughs) where I guess if you're gonna be a team like Oklahoma and score you're gonna have week in and week out score that many points you better do it I guess and so, yeah, I'll be interested, like you said, in the all season, see what Herman is forced to do with that staff because there's something's got to happen. There's too much, too much talent to be this wildly inconsistent, especially against the big boys. I think Texas, you know, obviously, is a program that should be competing and beating, not just competing, but beating teams like LSU at home or Oklahoma. And it's just not happening right now. So I, I think you will definitely see some turnover with that staff
2: i would have flipped those before this year i would have said riley is the guy that is the brilliant offensive player caller and great on that side of the ball but i have doubts about his ability to oversee an entire program and then i would have said tom herman was the opposite and then this year it's been you know the exact opposite alex grinch has been a great hire oklahoma looks really cohesive overall and then you know texas is just a mess with seems like all this dead weight on the staff and guys lacking proper oversight. So that'll be interesting. They're both young guys. So it's easy to forget that even the guys that land top jobs like Texas and Oklahoma often get there with a lot to learn.
0: Mm So, yeah, I guess all that's left is, uh, you have a prediction for us for this Saturday. I think you said Texas is favored by six. I'm not a gambling person, but if I was, I, I think I'd feel pretty decent about putting money on Kansas State with that kind of spread. You know, what are your thoughts on what happens?
2: I think I like Texas to cover, given okay. how beat up Kansas State seems to be. Texas coming off a of bye week, and also just the fact that can't, Texas tends to do better against these more mashu run game teams than they do against teams that will spread them out and throw them all over the place. So I think I like Texas to cover. Okay. okay. All
0: right, Drew, any, any thoughts? Yeah.
1: I think here? for Kansas state to win this game, it's going to have to be about Kansas state's offense controlling the game. I don't think they're going to, they're not going to win a shootout against Texas. It's going to need to be, you know, high 20s and I, i'm not sure they can get that done i don't know if they quite have the depth but that's what you're gonna that's what you're gonna see it's what you're gonna see them try to do is again win the time of possession game two to one keep the pressure on texas at home and see if that uh make that stadium a little uncomfortable
2: uh <laughs> they will be <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs>
1: put that game pressure on, make the Austin faithful sweat a little bit, maybe, you know, break a couple. You might hear some interesting to see uh, what that does for the psyche. Cause I, I feel like the big thing with Texas is I feel like they're mentally fragile. And so I think if they need to get out to a hot, a, a hot start against Kansas state, but if they sort of get into a slog with the Wildcats, I don't like their chances. But that being said, I think I'd take Kansas State to cover, but Texas to win in like a 30-something, to high 20-something game.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I think that about does it for us. Uh, Ian, we appreciate you coming on. Um, again, people can, can buy your book to read about Big 12 football. on. It's available on Amazon. Um, you got anything coming up this week that you think will be of interest to K-State fans?
2: My uh, preview of this game on Inside Texas might be free this week. So okay. look out for that. And then, uh, uh, I don't know, I've been writing about Kansas State a couple times on the blog, sportstreatise.com. So I don't know if I will this week or not, but you might head over there and see what I've written in the last couple of weeks, or maybe I'll have something new this week on Kansas State. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: sounds good. And then, uh, yeah, you can follow Ian on Twitter, ian underscore a underscore boyd i enjoy your, your your twitter name the assistant to the minister of culture so have you been in touch with matt mcconaughey and talk with him about any culture stuff lately?
2: Uh, no he has he has failed to to leverage my abilities so far <laughs> let's see all right
0: all right sounds good ian always fun to have you on thanks a lot for joining us always fun. thanks for having me thanks drew
2: yeah thanks guys i'm Luke
0: Thompson. so yeah